job, kids. Amen. All right. Open your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 6. I'm thankful for a big God. Amen. Jeremiah chapter number 6. Jeremiah chapter number 6. I'll ask you to stand with me for a moment. Jeremiah chapter 6. And we'll stand for a little bit as we honor the reading of God's word together. Jeremiah chapter 6. I would also ask church family, if you would, please... uh, Pray for my wife and our baby. It's our baby's first time being sick since she's been born, and we knew it's inevitable. You're not going to, you know, they can't live in a bubble forever, right? Uh, so if you would pray for Olivia and uh, pray for Lacey. I, I think, you know, uh, when you have a baby and uh, you're used to being very involved with your church family and then you're kind of not as involved just because you're taking care of a newborn, uh, you kind of feel separate from everything. And so I, I can tell you this, she misses being around everybody. Um, and uh, especially you ladies. She doesn't care about you guys, but you ladies, she, she really misses. Uh, Jeremiah chapter number 6, and i uh, going to start reading in verse number 9. Jeremiah chapter 6, uh, in verse number 9. Uh, let me, before I read it, though, can, can I, just a little show of hands, um, any of you ever talk about Jesus and someone make you feel like you're kind of old-fashioned for doing so? Or, or maybe you say, well, I don't really, you know, this is kind of how I do things, you know, or or, uh, and you kind of, you know, the, the world has a way of making you feel, I think the term is out of touch. Like you just, you don't fit. And can I say this? You're not supposed to fit. Amen. You're not supposed to fit. You're supposed to be different. Uh, but sometimes you kind of get in this, uh, uh, this place of life where you kind of, you get tired of feeling like you don't fit. You get tired of feeling like the oddball. And, uh, and sometimes you kind of want to just blend in. And uh, look at Jeremiah chapter number six. Starting in verse number 9, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, They shall truly glean the remnant of Israel as a vine. Turn back thine hand as a grape gatherer into the baskets. Now you may go, what in the world are we reading about? This is God pronouncing judgment on the, His own people, the nation of Israel, for rejecting God's words. And the Lord is trying to reach them and reaching out to them, and yet they're not responding the right way. Uh, you ever been there in the Christian life where God's trying to get your attention and you know he is, but you don't respond the right way. And then you learn the lesson, but you, you, it takes you maybe months or even years of your life to get it. And you're like, man, I wish I'd learned it way back then. Anybody ever been there before? We have a common word for that. It's called stupid tax. Okay. Where, where you, you go through things, not because God really wanted you to go through all that, but because you're not getting the lesson. You're not listening. Uh, look at uh, verse number uh, 10. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ear is uncircumcised. And in other words, your ear is closed. I, I can't get through to you. And they cannot hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach. They have no delight in it. I, I've watched, this is kind of a, a funny thing. I've watched people come to church and, and uh, you know, I, I know I've told the story before, but Jose and Dina, the first time they came to our church, I, I, I definitely didn't think you guys had found the right church. I thought you guys kind of got lost and kind of showed up here and, you know, and without embarrassing her, embarrassing them, uh, I'll just say they kind of just looked like they were not looking for our church. I'll just leave it there. And I remember going up to them afterwards and because during the service, I'm expecting to look over there and see that they're like this, (laughs) right? Or they're like this, you know, but they weren't on the edge of their seat and they're enjoying it. I've watched people come here, be on the edge of their seat. I've watched other people come in and go, same book. Same preaching. You say, what is it? Some people have delight in it and some don't. The Lord's talking about his own people. And I understand doctrinally it's Israel, but let's talk about us for just a moment. Let's see us in the passage. Look at verse 11. Therefore, I am full of the fury of the Lord. I am weary with holding in. 
I will pour it out upon the children abroad and upon the assembly of young men together. For even the husband with the wife shall be taken, the aged with them is full of days, and their houses shall be turned to others. Talking about Israel losing their land and losing the blessing of God. Look down, if you would, at verse 15. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. Therefore, they shall fall among them that fall. At the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Stand ye in the ways. This is what I want to call your attention to. And see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein. And ye shall find rest for your souls. That sounds good to me. Who wants rest for their souls? Can, Can I point out? the response but they said we will not walk therein also i set watchmen over you saying hearken to the sound of the trumpet but they said we will not hearken let's go to the lord in prayer brother tim if you'd ask god's blessing on the word Amen. Amen. Be seated, if you would. Let me just say this right now. There are two types of people in here today. Uh, and I don't mean men and women. I don't mean black and white. I don't mean, you know, Asian, Hispanic. What I mean is you're either you're saved or you're lost. Amen. And if you're saved, what I hope you get out of this message is uh, sometimes you have to go back to go forward. Uh, and if you're lost, what I want you to find out is this. You, sometimes you need to go back about 2,000 years to a place called Calvary to find what you're looking for. And uh, the, the idea is this, though. Sometimes it's important to go back. Uh, the, the things that we're seeing in the world around us, uh, it, it, we're going into uncharted territories. At least it feels that way. But let me remind you that all the stuff that everyone says is new that you ought to try, the, the Bible says there's no new thing under the sun. In other words, it's already been done. It's just repackaged and resold to a new market of people that are ignorant that don't know that it's already been here. You, you look at all the, the perversion that's going on. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the same man. Guys, this is not new stuff. This goes back thousands of years. It was sequestered. Now it's showing back up again. What am I getting at? What I'm getting at is this. The world has a way of saying, look at this new, great, shiny thing. And I want you to understand that God is consistently God. He never changes. Thank God for that. He is, as the Bible describes him, the ancient of days. Uh, He is the one that is mentioned as being the ancient of days three times in the book of Daniel. The Bible says there are some things that we ought to hold on to. Paul says this, therefore, brethren, stand fast. That means don't move and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. I understand some tradition is wrong, it's man-made and all that, but there's some traditions from God that are, yes, the world would label it as old-fashioned, and God would say, you can call it old-fashioned if you want to. I call it vintage. Wait around long enough, it's going to be cool again. 
I mean, come on now. Listen, I'm a kid of the 90s. I remember, you know, the, 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 about, about 10 years ago, I think maybe 15 years ago, Saturday Night Live had a skit making fun of women wearing mom jeans. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Now they're cool. And now the girl's like, I want to wear mom jeans. I'm like, where am I? <laughs> All right, listen, I've lived long enough to remember men wearing shorts like this and socks like this up to here. And then we got some sanity about us, and we got shorts down to here. And now the young guy's like, I like the three-inch inseams. <laughs> you know, let me show you my hairy legs. You say, what is it? It's the 80s come back. What is it? The thing that was is going to be again. It's new to you, but it's not new. The world has a way of repackaging things and presenting things to us and saying, man, you've got to try this out. Can I just say this? If what the world is doing and the direction in which it's going is so great, why is it such a mess? And can I say this as well? Christian, leave the mess out there. Don't bring it into your life. Because when you bring it into your life, you bring it into the household of God and you mix old and new and they don't mix. There are some things that are old that are good for you. How about sunshine? How about breathing oxygen? How about, listen, listen, how about less screen time and more sun time, right? I mean, how about less screen time and more? There's some things that are old-fashioned. Reading is old-fashioned. Pa- some, some people come to me and go, Pastor, uh, wh- what, do you recommend that I, what do you recommend that I watch to learn about this? And I'm like, why don't you read a book? Well, that's like a lot of work. Bingo. <laughs> Sitting down and reading is old-fashioned, but it's good for you. How about stretching in the morning? If you've been stretching for thousands of years, that's so old-fashioned. People have been working for thousands of years. That's so old. Listen, you want to put food on the table? It's a good idea to work. It might be old-fashioned, but some things that have been around a long time, they are proven, and they are established, and they are right, and they are true. David goes to fight Goliath. You know what Saul does? Hey, try my armor on. You know what David says? Thank you, sir. I appreciate that, but I have not yet proven them. There are some things in life, and especially the Christian life, that are proven in the Word of God, and they might seem like they're old-fashioned, but can I say this? You need them in your life. I've heard people say, this ain't your... It's almost like, uh, like the world, even the Christian, the church, the body of Christ is going so far along with the world that they celebrate, this ain't your grandma's church. You need grandma's church. You need a butt whoop, and you need to shut up and sit down and learn how to behave. That's what kids need today. Amen. And listen, I'm not, I love children. This is not be mean, mean to them. But look at the world out there. You've got out of control society because you don't know what the Bible says about raising kids. You need grandma's church. You've got young men who can't control their lust. Keep your hands to yourself until you're married. You know what that is? Grandma's church. You know what grandma's church said? You don't live together till you get married. Oh, you're, so, you're such a legalist. Call me whatever you want to. I know this. Things were better 50 years ago than they are now. Yeah. Not just out there, but in here. Yeah. You know why? We just keep moving the needle. Keep moving it over. Keep moving it here. How about our young people see that we're willing to stand and not shift and not move? Listen, some of you parents, you know what you do? Here's the line. Don't cross it. And you tell them that. But then when you get around family, you're like, well, let's kind of blur that thing a little bit. It's kind of like, you know, maybe it's not, what, maybe it's not that big of a deal. And then they go, well, if it's not that big of a deal here, I'm just going to do it all the time. When, I'm, what am I saying? You preacher, you're getting kind of fired up. I'm tired of watching Christians go along with everything that the world says is okay. 
When in reality, guys, the, the truth is this. They're dying out there. They don't have peace. They don't have joy. They don't have what true love is. And on the inside, they're dying because their conscience bears witness to what they're doing, and they're empty and void and hopeless. And then you Christians go, well, let's try it out. It's not going to end better for you. Some things are old-fashioned, but they're good for you. Some standards, I know, I say the S word, and everybody flips out, you know, standards, oh, legalist. <laughs> no, there's some things you're like, you ought to go, look, this is something I want to live by. Well, you know, I have liberty in Christ. Okay, enjoy your liberty in Christ being selfish. How about you stop and think to yourself, you know, is what I'm doing going to edify somebody else? Or am I just thinking about my liberty and what I want out of life? You know what the old paths are? The old paths are a remembrance that Christianity's symbol is a cross. It's not a remote. It's not a gun. It's, not, it's none of the things that we hold on. We go, this is what means something. It's a cross. You know what that is? It's you saying to yourself, I'm dead to what I want. I want to live unto him. And by doing that, I actually find the best life I could ever live. That's what old-time Christianity is about. It's not about you and your liberty and what you want. It's about you serving a great God, a bigger God than anything else in this world. Amen. You know what it is? It's on, hey, you know what? I need to get back to some things. There's some things in my life I've left way back there. Not just the world leaving them way back there. The world's going to do what the world does. It's always been that way. They're always changing, always going, always moving in another direction. But you as a child of God, there are some things in your life, can I just say this, you need to get back to you know, we, you know, we uh, play, play ball with the boys, you know, and try to teach them how to throw the ball in the spiral the right way. And recently, Ethan's really gotten a, a real good tight spiral. And, you know, we, we kind of joke around with each other. When someone catches the ball and drops it, it's like, oh, you dropped the ball. Get down, give me five, you know, and do that kind of thing. You say, why? The idea is this. When you got the ball, hold on to it. That, listen, these guys get paid millions of dollars, you know, and, and they, they get three yards, you know, and they cross the line, you know, and I know Steon coming from South Africa, he's trying to understand American football, and he's like, you people are crazy. <laughs> they only did two plays, and it was 30 minutes long. What is this? He's like, they need to move faster. He's used to rugby, used to a different kind of flow. These professional athletes, listen, dude, if I got paid like $20 million a year, and I crossed a line with the ball, I don't know that I'd be like... Dude, you did your job. Amen. You held on to the ball and you crossed the plane. Right. You know what your job is as a Christian? To get across to the other side of glory, holding on to the ball. Right. Don't let it go. Too many Christians have. In the day and age in which we live, so many Christians say, it really doesn't matter. Pastor, why does this matter so much? Why, why do you have to be a stickler about that? And why don't we just kind of, I don't know, like get a little bit more modern. There's some things, I'm not against modern things when it comes to conveniences. There's nothing wrong with using an overhead, nothing wrong with using technology. But my goodness, man, you got to get a hold of this. There are things spiritually and morally that maybe should not change. Maybe it's good for us to go back and visit. I took my kids to... Puerto Rico they've never been there before and they got to <laughs> they they told me when they got there dad you make more sense now <laughs> the taxi cab driver's like you know just dancing outside of his car you know and with some stranger and they're just dancing having fun nothing you know perverted and she goes dad you make a lot more sense now <laughs> I could ex I could do the best I could to explain to them listen to me where I came from but they would not get as much out of it until they saw it 
We can talk to the next generation about what Christianity was or what it should have been or whatever else. Why don't we live it out in front of them? And I'm not just talking about, I don't do this and I don't do that and I don't do this. It's not just a matter of what you don't do. It's a matter of what you're willing to do today for Jesus Christ. See, when you get saved, the Lord gives you a new identity. He gave us a new covenant and he makes us a new thing. And one day, the Bible says he's going to make all things new. Amen? I can't wait for that day. New's not always bad if God's the one that originates it. New's a great thing when he's the one that does it. But when we scrap what God said works, you know what God does over and over? Go back to Genesis chapter 1. Let me show you something in Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. I, I know I'm going to say some things that probably... Some might say, well, that just is too old-fashioned for me. I get it. I'm at a point in my life where, <laughs> I don't know, now that I have adult kids and I'm just considered old, I don't care what anyone thinks anymore. Amen. I mean, you know, they're like, just, I, I'm like, Craig's telling dad jokes, and I'm like, <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, like, I just, I don't care. And, and listen, I, I quit caring about being cool. You say, why? Because you know what I realize, all joking aside, uh, my life is here, and then it's going to fade away. And you're going to bury me someday, and the only thing I'm taking with me is what I do for Jesus Christ. And, and I really, I've gotten to a place where I just, I don't care so much what people think as much as I do. God, what do you have to say about this? You know what God does in Genesis when he's creating things? He looks at what he does, and he says certain words a number of times. Look at verse 4. God saw the light that it was good. God likes light, you know that? He likes things turned on. He likes the brightness of his glory. Look at Genesis 1, verse number 10, after he uh, creates the earth. And the Bible says at the end of that verse that God saw that it was good. Uh, look, if you would, at verse number 12, talking about grass and, and fruit coming off the tree and all that. Look at the end of that verse. And God saw that it was good. Look at verse 18. At the end of that verse, God separates night and day and all that. And God saw that it was good. Look at verse number 21. He calls the whales to come up and every creature, uh, living creature that moveth um, coming out of the waters. Verse number uh, 21. At the end of that verse, he says, God saw that it was good. Can I say this? If God sees something to be good, it's good. Like, 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 you know, in our lives, we're not, we're not waiting for, like, the referee to go, you know, like, you know, this or this. Like, like when the Lord says it's good, it's good, <laughs> right? So, so listen, think about this. There, there they have, we're watching original creation take place. Look at verse 25. Again, you're going to see this again. He makes the beasts of the earth after his kind and cattle after their kind. And at the end of that, God saw that it was good. Verse 31, and God saw everything he had made, and behold, it was so, you know what that tells me? That tells me we need to update everything that God just did. And you go, that's stupid. It was good. Why would you mess it up? I don't know. Ask Adam and Eve. It, everything was good, right? It was very good. Someone convinced them you need to update some things around here. How'd that end up? You know what that's? The introduction of sin. Well, that, that stuff God told you is a little old-fashioned. No, maybe some things, let me just say it like this. Some things are good, and they need to just be left alone. Some things that worked before can work again. I read this. Success isn't always about greatness. It's about consistency. What would a message be without a quote from Dwayne The Rock Johnson? <laughs> I read this. It's not all about talent. It's about dependability, consistency, and being able to improve. 
know what I know about my God? He's consistent. Right. I'm thankful for that. I'm glad God does not get up. Aren't you glad God doesn't wake up in a bad mood like you do? Right. You ever wake up like you don't even know why you're in a bad mood and someone says, good morning, good morning to you. You know, I've got, I've got, look, I'm not going to point out name names or anything like that. I got different personalities in my home. There are some kids that spring out of bed like their father does in the morning and says, glory to God, it's another day of life, you know? And there's those that wake up. Now, I'm not exactly that way. I'm not trying to be self-righteous, but I wake up with energy. I like to be, I don't know, alive. So I wake up happy to see the sunrise and all that kind of stuff. And, and then there are those that stumble up the stairs. <laughs> what, what is all that light? It's called the sun. <laughs> what are you getting at? Well, what I'm getting at is this, as it relates to getting up in the morning. We don't always wake up the same way. I'm thankful God does. I'm thankful that God is always who he said he would be for us. Now, we have a human experience to live out, so we're not going to stay exactly the same forever. Can I get a witness? Where's Isaac? Where are you at, Isaac? Isaac, where are you at? Oh, yeah, so like these, right here. Like, someday like this is going to fall down right here, okay? All right? So, so, I mean, pump it out right now. Enjoy it, son, because eventually you're going to be 42, looking like this, all right? Uh, you, change, listen to me, is inevitable in life. You are going to have, you're going to have to change. And as a Christian, you should be growing towards Jesus. There should be change in your life. But do you realize how the right kind of change happens in your life? It's by applying principles that have been around for a very, 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 very long time. You know what God does not do? God does not wake up in the morning and say, Oh, Adrian, you're such an idiot. I don't think you're saved anymore. You're going to hell. I'm thankful he doesn't do that. I mean, aren't you? I, I, I love it when someone says, Man, I'm glad that guy's not God. You better be glad you're not God. Like, none of us should be wake up in the morning and go, Man, I, God needs to fix it. Thank God that he is who he is. The ancient of days. You know what the Bible says about Jesus Christ? The same yesterday, today, and forever. <laughs> you know what that speaks to about God? The consistent nature. Of, and by the way, his position on sin has never changed. I, I think some people think this genuinely. They think God was mean and grumpy in the Old Testament. And like he just killed a lot of people because he was mad. And then the New Testament, God like wakes up and he's like, Oh, kumbaya, my friends, kumbaya, hold my hands, Dion, kumbaya, are you uncomfortable yet? Yes, you are, oh, Lord, kumbaya. God, God doesn't, listen, God was the same in the Old Testament as he is today. L- listen, ju- listen, just because we live in a quote-unquote age of grace where salvation is so free, thank God for that, where he gives it to us as a gift and we can receive it by faith and it costs us nothing and we don't have to keep the law and we don't have to keep the commandments and we don't have to endure the end and all that other stuff. Thank God for all of that. But just because of that doesn't mean that God is like, well, whatever you want to do with your life, it's up to you. That's not the God of the Bible. <laughs> There are things that matter to God that maybe don't matter as much to us. And maybe we need to get on his page and not tell God, Lord, you're kind of old-fashioned. You need to get updated. Listen, there's no like God version one, you know, 1.2. You ever go to your computer and you need to turn on and it's like restarting? You know, and it's doing this thing. It's updating, you know? I'm like, I didn't want you to update. You worked yesterday just fine. That's the world in which you live. And you know what? Never wake up and go, God, come on. You need to get with us. Get with the times, God. We're changing. We're, I love this. We're evolving. 
I love when someone, you know, our company has evolved. You not so intelligent person, you know what evolving means? It took no effort. It was literally just happening on its own organically. Companies disintegrate when nothing, when no one puts any effort into it. Your family will disintegrate. Nothing evolves. It either grows or it dies. Can I ask you what question? What I mean, ask you one, one question real quick. Which direction is your Christian life going in? Is it growing or dying? I literally have had people look me in the face and say, Pastor, I know what the Bible says about this, but I'm not going to give that up. I will never. It's part of who I am. And to that I would say, the problem is you swallowed some kind of new doctrine that is not Bible. God does not say you get to pick and choose what parts of me that you like. Listen, that's why some marriages are falling apart. You married a person, and then you wake up someday and realize she's not just pretty. She has thoughts and ideas and wants to go to a different place than I want to go for lunch. You understand what I'm saying? No, but someday you will. You see what I'm, what I'm getting at is you treat God that way. Well, God, I like your mercy and I like your grace and I like your love. But this stuff where you want me to get rid of things in my life and this stuff where you want me to come back to old stuff, Lord, I'm kind of done with all of that. And if you're done with that, you're done growing as a Christian. His love for purity has never changed. Can I say this? His love for expressing mercy to mankind never changed. The Bible says in Micah 6, he delighteth in mercy. His desire to have fellowship with man from the very beginning when God goes and seeks out Adam in the garden, it's never changed. If you're not on the right path today, can I say this? You can get on it. God's looking for you. And he's calling you and going, hey, let's get back to what used to work. Let's get back to an old path. Listen, listen, it, it, maybe it seems old-fashioned to some. I love the story about the Rechabites. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They're not Rebachites. They're not people that wear Reeboks. They're Rechabites in the Bible. And the Bible says in Jeremiah 35 that, that God uses the family of the, this family of Rechab, and he uses them as an illustration of something. Here's the illustration. He says this, hey, Israel, I want you to be like these guys. Well, what do these guys do? Their dad told them, hey, we're going to go into captivity. So I want you to do a couple of things. You are not going to build a house, and you're not to drink any wine, and I want you to understand that you're about to go into captivity. I want you guys to be the most prepared of all the people to show them that you can survive even in captivity. No wine, no building houses, no farming, no establishing yourself, so, so to speak. You're going to be here just for a time. It's a great picture of a Christian living on this earth, just passing through. I'm just a pilgrim passing through. This is not my final home, Amen. And so the Rechabites were told, hey, this is how you're supposed to live. And guess what? They stuck to their daddy's word. And so one day they go, uh, he tells Jeremiah, Jeremiah, call these guys in and tell them to drink wine. You know what the young man says? I'm not to drink wine. My daddy told me so many years ago we're not to do that. And you know what Jeremiah said? Man, what a great example. They were told something by their daddy many years ago, just like our Heavenly Father has given us some things in that book many years ago. And it's our job to say, it doesn't matter what anybody else says and does, we're going to stick by that book. You say, well, well, this is old-fashioned. You shouldn't be that way. Well, let me just tell you right now, there's some things, like I said before, that are old-fashioned that are for your health. They're for your good. God God is not going, you know, God's not grumpy up in heaven, making up rules to ruin your life. You know what God's doing? He's looking at the direction everything's going, because he can see it before it happens. He goes, hey, son, you need to come back to me. I know where this is headed. It's not the right direction. Not only has the world abandoned What's right, but the church has as well. You know, over there in Acts 17, 
You don't have to turn there, but in Acts 17, Paul goes and he preaches to the Athenians. You know what it says about them? They exist pretty much to hear or to tell some new thing. What's new? What's new? You know how the news sells? It's literally called news. Like, what's new? What am I going to miss out on? What do I need to know? Hey, can I tell you something? Uh, If you cut away yourself from like 24-hour news for like an hour, you might live. You might be better off for it. But they sell it as, this is new, you need this. Does anybody remember what customer service used to feel like? (laughs) Like, I'm bagging my own groceries, paying for the bag, giving myself the car to put in the machine and take it back. I'm like, well, what happened? Where are we at? Listen, things aren't like they used to be. Can I get a witness? A lot of times I hear people saying, that's so vintage. I mean, I've shown my kids pictures of like back in the day, like, oh, that's so cool and vintage. It's like, well, it's just old. (laughs) But it's been long enough since it was cool that it's cool again. Christian, can I say this? Maybe instead of seeing yourself as old, maybe just see yourself as vintage. Like, no, like, like, like me liking a woman, it's so like 3000 BC, you know, but (laughs) like it works. You understand what I'm saying? Like, like the Lord is saying, hey, let's get back to these old paths. Look, if you would, at Jeremiah 6, Jeremiah 6, back to where we started, Jeremiah 6. Jeremiah chapter 6, look if you would at verse number 9. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. Who's talking? Thus saith the Lord of hosts. You know who's talking? God is. You know what's important for you to get a hold of in this passage? That this is not just man's opinion about this. This is God talking to you. Notice if you would in verse number 16, he says stand. You know what we're constantly doing? We, were, we went to the park to drop off the volleyball net and the boys were like, what are those ladies doing? <laughs> and they were doing this. <laughs> and I was like, they're speed walking. They're like, oh. <laughs> you know what we're so busy doing? I think God looks down on us, and he sees us like, hey, why don't you, would you stand still? Yes, Lord, I will. Just a second. You know, <laughs> just, just, just like, could you be still? for? You ever talk to your kids' parents? And like, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. And, they, and then, then like, stop, stop. And they're like, what? I'm like, what did I just say? Ah, uh, uh, especially the boys. Ah, uh, the, the us. Now I'm not picking on them. I'm one of you guys. I get it. Sometimes we're just we're here, but we're not here. Ladies, can I get a witness? Yeah. And it's just like, uh, you, but you know what? You know what God wants? He wants you to stand still long enough. Turn the phone off at church. Amen. Like, 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 just just be still for a little bit and just kind of just soak it in. And go, okay, I want to hear from God. He says, stand still. Then he says this. (laughs) I like this. Stand ye in the ways. You know what Jesus Christ said? Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So there's only one real way, but boy, there's anything you want is out there today. Pick it from Amazon. It'll show up at your house in two days, right? (laughs) Pick it it a way you want. It's there. I mean, we have more access to more whatever we want. 
I ordered something this morning. I know some of you were concerned about this. You saw me in a different light as a hippie, as a redneck dino hunter, as a whatever else during VBS. And yesterday, Miss Sonia was very concerned about my hair. It was not, it was not fixed well. She's like, Pastor, I've never seen you like this. Oh, no, what's going to happen? No, don't worry. Pastor's okay. I just wore a hat all day. I want, for those of you that might be worried like Miss Sonia to know, I ordered suavecito pomade this morning. And it will be in my house at 5 p.m. this evening. Gracias, Amazon, right? <laughs> we live in a day and age where, like, you just pick whatever you want. It shows up at your house, right? So there's all kinds of ways that you can go. You don't have to go God's way. He says, look, stand ye in the ways. There's a lot of them. Then he says this, ask. You know what God wants? He wants, he wants you to come to the right conclusion on your own. Ask for the old past. Can I ask you some Question. What are you asking God for? Are you ever asking anyone in your Christian life, are you ever saying this, God, I remember when I used to read my Bible and I couldn't get enough. Amen. I remember when someone could not walk by me without me going, can I talk to you about something? And talk to them about Jesus Christ. I remember getting down to pray and it felt like I was literally in the throne room with God himself and it was like he was talking to me and I was talking to him like a father does with his child. I remember that and God, I want that again. You know how it is for most Christians? God, give me this. God, give me this. God, give me this. Uh, Lord, my kid's sick. Get him better. Uh, Lord, I like this. Uh, give me this job. Uh, I need a better paying job. God, give me. And listen, I'm not saying you shouldn't bring your petitions to God, but I, I, want, you know, I want to ask you, when's the last time you asked God, Lord, would you restore something I used to have? In verse 16, he says this, ask for the old paths. Where is the, what's the next two words? Good way. Not all ways are equal, my friend. They're not all the same. And he says this, walk therein. Can I say it's one thing to notice what's right? It's another thing to believe what's right. It's another thing to walk in what's right. Can I point out at the end of the verse, there's a reward if you do it? They said, we will not walk therein. I mean, I may have told the story before, but early African converts to the missionary efforts of the 1800s, they would have a spot out in the, in the brush that they would go and they would pray in. And it was very evident. You could tell because when you walk over a path so many times, it gets worn down and eventually becomes dirt and dust. And eventually it's so apparent to everyone else that there's a path that's been carved out for people to walk on. The early converts would go and they'd walk through that brush and they'd have to push things out of the way at first that were in the way of getting to a spot where they could just be private between them and God and get down and pray. But after a while, it was very evident that someone had walked through there many times and in so many words, you knew that someone's prayer life was where it should be because the path was worn. And when somebody wasn't where they should be, the grass would start to grow again. And those early, church, uh, those early converts in the 1800s of Christianity, they would look at each other and they would say, Brother, your path is overgrown. You know what that is? That's a call to get back to something that you need to be in once again. If God looked down right now and said, Hey, your, your path is overgrown, what do you get through? What would your response be if the Lord himself said, this path that used to be marked where someone was in fellowship with me, it's not like it used to be. Let's get back to that old path. 
The word vintage, by the way, just so you know, I think many of you do know this, but it's the produce of the vine for the season. Vine, vintage. You know, they say about wine, some things get better with. So it's old, but it's good. That's how the world looks at it. I understand that. But here's my point. You as a child of God, there are some things that are old. They're good. Can I say this? First off, vintage has been replaced with something new and inferior. Over there in the Old Testament nation of Israel, Jeroboam, I want you to go to 1 Kings chapter 12. Jeroboam has a message for the people. And you, you may say, preacher, I'm not really sure what's going on in 1 Kings 12. Can you help me out? I'd be glad to explain it to you. Basically, Rehoboam, Solomon's son, says in so many words, I'm going to listen to the young guys. I'm not going to listen to the old guys. And so the kingdom splits. And when the kingdom splits, the ten northern tribes, they go up north, and they follow this man named Jeroboam. But the place of worship that they should be going to is actually in the south. They should be going to Jerusalem to worship God. That's commanded from the Old Testament law. And yet what Jeroboam does, look at 1 Kings chapter 12 and look at verse number uh, 26. And Jeroboam said in his heart, now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. In other words, if people keep going up to sacrifice, look at verse 27, and they keep going to Jerusalem, eventually they're going to leave me and go back to the old way that things were set up. And that actually would have been the right thing, but he didn't want that. And so what does he do? Look at verse 28. He, uh, He took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, watch it. It's too much for you guys. That trip is so long. It's so expensive. Why don't you just live stream it? Like, what's the big deal? Like, like you know, this, just, this whole you going all the way to Jerusalem, it's going to take time. Your kids might get sick. They might catch something when they're there. Uh, it'd be much easier if you just stayed home. Don't worry about it. Let's make this more. Let's make Christianity more convenient for you. It's too much for you. You know, you tell yourself when you leave the old path, you you say, it's too hard. It's too old fashioned. I don't want it. It's just too much effort. Can I ask you a question? Do you ever stop and, and legitimately consider all that God, the creator of the universe, the one that spoke with one word, universe, one word, not multiverse. Sorry, Marvel. Sorry, DC. All right. One universe and the Lord spoke and there it was. And that same God sent himself to this earth as a man. And for 33 and a half years, he resisted sin. And he did the right thing. And he remained pure. And he died as a perfect sacrifice for your sins. And he endured the scorn, and the abuse, and the rejection. And can I ask you a question? Why? Why is what God asked you to do too hard? I'm just going to say this. Adults, what we do in moderation, the next generation is going to do in excess. I don't want to be at all political. It's not the point of my next illustration here, but have you not noticed a lot of videos being posted online about kids marching in schools with pride flags? Before you get upset at me, just listen to what I'm going to say and just, just hear me out. And they're marching through there and the teachers are encouraging them to do that. Also, videos online of an entire classroom sitting while the pledge comes on and only one kid standing to the American flag. Now, it's not a political statement, 
I'm simply saying this. You don't convince a generation to embrace one thing until you tell them this one's bad. That's my point. You are not going to get a generation of Christians to embrace things that 50 years ago people that were lost would not do until you convince Christians today, oh, this was bad. We live in an upside-down world where that which is good has been replaced. <coughs> Moses gets, gets lost in the mountains with God for a couple of weeks, and you know what the people do? They get, a, they, get these, they get a calf, and they say, these be thy gods, O Israel. You know what that was all about? Convenience. Yesterday, my daughter called me a little upset, a little, you know, frustrated. And, uh, I mean, you go to Walmart anymore? No more bags. And you're checking yourself out. Yeah, listen, I remember being a kid going to Walmart, and all 30 registers had human beings behind them. And they were smiling, and how can I help you, and all that kind of stuff. Now you get there, three are open, and like, use that one. You know, that, that kind of service. And so you go to the machine, and there's no bag. So you check yourself out. If, God forbid, you forget to grab that receipt, there's going to be someone standing there going, did you steal that? Hey, why don't you give me a bag again? So I don't look like a thief walking out of your store. <laughs> Poor Bell's like, these stupid people. <laughs> Do they not know who I am? They don't know who you are, Bell. It's okay. She got pulled over by the Walmart police, you know, some... 60-year-old retiree who could barely speak English, and they're trying to talk to each other. And I'm thinking to myself, listen, this is a problem that you created by getting rid of something that used to work. And you look at that and you go, what a problem. We are doing the same thing with Christianity. Why? To save a penny here and to save a buck here. Just because it's convenient for the corporation doesn't mean it's right for the people they're serving. Just because it's convenient for you doesn't mean it's right for the people you're supposed to serve. Secondly, can I say this? You need to re-examine the value of vintage in your life. Someone said this, what we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. How about this? We're in the Google age. We know the cost of everything. Now look, I don't mean to point people out, but I got certain friends of mine. I had this uh, Korean friend of mine, didn't matter what I was doing. If, if I ever did something, like, oh, how much was that? I'm like, I don't want to tell you. And I'd buy something like, how much is that? I'm like, I don't remember, you know. It was, brother Chris. Brother Chris was like, oh, how much was that? I'd be like, oh, man, I don't know if I want to tell you that. All the We live in a day and age where we can just Google the cost of anything, can we not? Right. We know the cost of everything, and yet we don't understand the value of anything. That's right. You know, what, you know what I learn about people as they get older? They value the things they don't have anymore. I remember sitting down and dinner time was arroz con habichuela, con carne. Arroz con habichuela, con, ca- con pollo. Arroz con habichuela, con bistec. Arroz con habichuela, con... It was, you know, you say, what is it? Rice, beans, and pork. Rice, beans, and meat. Rice, beans, and chicken. And as a kid, I'm like, Dad, can't we just eat like Pop-Tarts and, you know, po- toaster strudels and, and dino nuggies or something like American? Do you know what I miss? You know what I wish I could have every day now? So, so you value what you no longer have. You know what we need to get back to? We need to get back to some old-fashioned, old-time Christianity. I'm not talking about living like an Amish person without electricity. Some of you are like, yeah, burn the TVs, burn it all. It's not what I meant. 
You're supposed to, God puts you in this generation for a reason. You need to relate to the generation, but it doesn't need me to adapt to everything that they're doing. Right. Amen. Maybe every once in a while I'll just go and, you know what? I miss those rice and beans. I, I, I miss time at an altar. Amen. You know what scares me about some of you? It almost seems like you're hell-bent. I don't know what I just said. I recognize what I just said. Hell-bent on making a point out of not going to an altar. Right. I don't care if you do it. don't between you and God, but I'm going to tell you right now, that's an old-fashioned thing that's good for you. Right. It's good for you to put down your flesh. It's good for you to put down your pride. It's good for you to visit there and go, you know what, God? There's some things that need to be restored between me and you. Look at Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Pastor, are we almost done? Well, here's what I can tell you. There were 12 pages to this entire thing. And I'm on page 11, so we're getting there. Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. You think you're going to get to heaven and go, God, we spent way too much time in church. Matthew 8, look if you would at verse number 19. A certain scribe came and said to him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Lord, whatever you tell me to do. All right, let's test it out. And Jesus saith unto him, The foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. You say, where's that guy? That guy is like a guy in the mafia on April 15th. He's nowhere to be found. The IRS cannot find him. You say, where is he? He's gone. Right. The Lord said, well, you want to follow me? This is, this is where we're going. Well, is there a more convenient way? Maybe not. Well, it's interesting because right after that, look at verse 21. Another of his disciples said to him, Lord, I, I'm sorry. Every single time I read this, I have to laugh. Not because like, I have a sick sense of humor, but because I, just, I can imagine someone coming to me and saying, Pastor, I'd love to be at the next discipleship class, but my dad just died and I've got to be at the funeral. <laughs> you know, I cannot imagine me going, let the dead bury the dead. That's right. <laughs> what Jesus says. Read the verse. Now, you may go, well, that's kind of harsh. Well, you know what happens? This is interesting to me. If you look at verse 23, 24, 25, you know what happens? This big storm. All the disciples, by the way, it wasn't just the 12. It was all that were following him at that time. They get in a boat. And they get in this boat, and this big storm happens. And eventually, you know what takes place? Jesus gets up. Look, if you would, at verse 26. He rebuked the wind and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, what manner of man is this? Great question. That even the wind and the waves obey him. Do you know what those two guys that walked away never got to see? They never got to see that storm. They never got to see the Lord calm that storm. And they missed out on everything thereafter. You ever stop and ask yourself how much you're missing out on what God wants to do in your life because you're not willing to follow him even when it's not convenient, maybe in that old path in your life? I think sometimes the issue is our value system is off. Go with me to Genesis 35, and we'll about wrap this up. Genesis 35. Can I say this in, la- in closing? You need to revisit the old paths. You know what I know about people? 
This is really deep. You ready? People do what they want to do. Isn't that deep? Now, you may not think it's deep, but it kind of is. But I'll tell you why. Because you come up with all kinds of reasons why you can't and why you can't, won't. And you know what the reality is? You just don't want to. You're not convinced the value of that old path is good enough for your time, your attention, and your effort as a believer. And can I say this right now? It was an old cross on which Jesus died. It's an old book that you get hope from. It is an old faith that's been around 2,000 years. It is an old, the ancient of days upon which our foundation is built. You are not going to take what God gave us and make it better in any way, shape, or form. You leave it the way God gave it to you. You need to get back to it. You may not know the story very well, but Jacob is one of the patriarchs. There's Abraham, and there's Isaac, and there's Jacob. And Jacob has done what Jacob wants to do his whole life. Jacob, you say, who's Jacob? He's a liar. Mentiroso. Brother Elving, embustero. He's a liar. He's a supplanter. He's a deceiver. And you read Jacob's story, and you know what naturally you think? Man, what a jerk. Like Everywhere that guy goes, he's a conniving. He's trying to get something out of it. And then the Lord just kind of whispers as I'm reading that passage, hey, Adrian, that's kind of you sometimes. Right? It's your old nature. It's how you think. It's how you're wired in the old man. Jacob's been doing his own thing, and he's been running from his brother and all kinds of things. And at a certain point, Jacob has to come face to face with God. He's been running for a number of years, doing his own thing. And God reminds Jacob, and he says, Hey, Jacob, when I met with you, I met with you in a place called Bethel, and we built an altar there. And we had some, some deep conversations. We, we talked about some really important things in your life. He even tells Jacob in, in chapter 35, hey, hey, Jake, it's time to get up. It's time to go back to Bethel. You say, what's Bethel in Jacob's life? It's an old place. I haven't been there in a while. It's good to revisit some old places. Amen. Genesis 35, look if you would at verse 1. Genesis 35, verse 1. And God said unto Jacob, arise. It's going to take some effort, Christian. You know what's easier? Stay where you're at. Stay complacent. Arise. Go up to Bethel. Do you realize any time you get closer to God, you're going up? You're not going down. And dwell there. And make there an altar and a God that appeared unto thee. Past tense, when thou fleddest. Past tense, from the face of Esau, thy brother. Then Jacob said to his household, Isn't it interesting that right away Jacob knew hey guys, we're going to go meet with God. It's time for us to clean house a little bit. There's some things that kind of need to go away. Some things that we've adapted to, some things that we've adopted into our lives that are not from God that maybe need to be purged so that we can approach God the right way. Amen. God said, hey, come home. Come on. Take that burden off. But before you do, understand this. The reason that burden's there is because I didn't ask for that in your life. You grabbed that somewhere along the way. Let's drop it here today. 
the Lord might be saying to you, you know what? There's some things you let go of. You're not praying like you used to. You're not fellowshipping with me like you used to. You're not excited about souls like you used to be. You're not excited about giving. You could kind of care less. You're kind of apathetic, kind of complacent. It's time to get up. Time to get out of that complacency. You say why? The longer you stay seated, the harder it is to get up. You know this if you ever try to do anything physically with fitness or anything like that. You say, I'll, I'll get to the gym tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. When that day finally does come, you do that one rep, you're like, woo! Man, those arms are screaming at you. Why? Because you put it off for the last 20 years. Can I tell you what Christians all over the world are doing right now? I'll get to it. Lord, I'll get, I'll get up. I'll get up when I'm ready. And someday your last breath is taken. And sometimes for some Christians it's 10, 20, 30 years that just flew by like that. I'm reminded of that this morning. Seeing my friend from Bible school I haven't seen in years, I was thinner, you know, had more hair, you know, more vital. I've got a bum leg, I'm fat. It's just that everything's going downhill, man. Little, little, I need a little, little white hair showing up, Brother Elvin, all over the place, you know. And you know, Hispanic people, right away, when your family sees you, they don't go, how you doing? How you, como esta? Mira, esta gordo. <laughs> yeah, he caught it before it happened. <laughs> hey, can I tell you, time goes by like that. And some of you are going, I'll get serious for the Lord over here. I'll, I'll, I'll eventually get there. Uh, Lord, one day I'm going to come to church and I'm going to get it right. I'm going to put it at the altar. I'm going to leave it there. And can I say this? For some Christians, someday never comes. If you're here without Jesus Christ and you know that inside your conscience is saying, I'm lost, I'm on my way to hell, I'm not sure where I'm going to spend eternity, you know you're going to say to yourself, I'll do it eventually. I'll get saved later. I'll do it someday. And let me tell you, for some people, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm being real with you. Someday never comes. Lord's saying, "Let's, let's get back to that old cross. Let's talk about your soul that I died for. For you believers, don't respond the way Israel did. Let's go back to Jeremiah 6 one last time. Jeremiah 6. Don't respond like Israel did. Verse 16. You know what's sad about this? I won't read all the passages, but in verse 20, you know what they're doing? They're still going and offering sacrifices. Almost like we're, we're just going to go through the routine and the ritual of church because it's like what we do. But I, my heart's so far from this. Watch out. You know how some people come to church? I'm here. Like the old time clock at work. You know, I don't know. These days, scan your eyeball or something like that, you know. <laughs> I clocked in, Lord, here I am. All right, can you kind of keep it shorter this time? Lord, I know that guy doesn't listen. Can you kind of make, maybe give him a heart attack? Cut it off in 30 minutes, something like that. But Lord, I'm here, I showed up. Can we just get over with this and then I'll clock out my way out. And you're spiritually dead and complacent. And you know what you'd rather do? You'd rather hear a message about how messed up America is and how we're going down and those trannies are the problem and this and that. You'd rather hear about that than hear about you. Because you know what the real issue is? That real issue isn't that. That's been, guys, the world has always been this present in Paul's day. Present evil world. It's time for you to get back to the old paths. Let's all stand up. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father.
Lord, I pray that you move out all the distractions at this time. Lord, I pray that people could be still and hear from you at this moment more than any other time of the message. God, that there would be a stillness in this place and the ability to communicate freely with you. I pray that the Spirit of God could move. Lord, that you would have touched hearts, Lord, in places I can't go and I don't know about and I don't need to know about. Lord, I pray that you do something that's real. That's my, that's my request. Lord, do something that's real and lasting in the hearts of your people. Lord, I pray that rather than shirking away and kind of trying to cover up who we are in this world, that we'd embrace our new identity in Christ that is founded on old ways, tried and true. Thank you for being consistently who you are. Thank you for never changing. Lord, thank you for never getting tired of me. Coming back. Coming back and saying sorry. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Just take just a little bit here. Just to, I don't know, return the favor. See what you mean by that, Pastor Adrian? What I mean is God's been trying to talk to you. Maybe it's your turn now. I'll ask this question. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here today and you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, would you lift your hand and say, yep, that's me. I'm saved. I know I'm saved. I'm so glad Cassandra got saved last Sunday. What a blessing. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, that they'd be honest enough about it to, to get saved today. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Is there anybody here? People aren't looking around. This is a private, intimate moment between you and God that we want to recognize and value. But if you're here and you've never been saved, would you be honest enough to raise your hand and go, I don't think I'm saved, but if Jesus is willing to offer me eternal life and there's no strings attached and it's a free gift, I'd like to be saved. Anyone here like that? Anyone willing to be honest with God? I see that. I see that. Thank you. Anybody else? You know my encouragement to you would be? Don't leave this place without... We're going to go to the park and have a blast. It's going to be great fellowship. Good food. We got two of our brothers from church that stayed back to set it all up for us, and we're thankful for that. But this matters more than what's going to pass through your mouth. (laughs) And scoring a few points in a game. If you've never been saved, can I encourage you? Find me. Find a friend. Find someone here that can open up a Bible. Our deacon, Brother James. Brother Steon, Brother Tim. If you're a lady, Miss Rachel, Miss Debbie, Miss Angie. Any of these ladies around here would be glad to open up a Bible and tell you how to be saved. Don't leave without getting settled. Let me tell you something. 30 years ago, well, 29 years ago, I guess it is. 
I went down to an altar. And it's like I can see it to this moment. I'm sorry. I miss my preacher. That man led me to Christ. The greatest decision I ever made. Everything about my life that's turned out right is because of Jesus Christ. I've made a lot of decisions since that day. I cannot, I will not regret getting saved. God knows I have not, I have not always done my best for him. I know that. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm thankful to be on his path. I wouldn't trade the last 30 years of my life for anything. It's the best life. Being saved and serving God. It's the best life. Say, what do you want for your kids? Want them to be saved, want them to serve God. What do you want for your church? Want you to know you're saved and want you to serve God. And stay on the old path. And don't give it up no matter what anyone says. You know, I'm tempted to think about it. <laughs> I remember my little brother Gabriel. I mean, we were younger. I convinced him that a nickel was more money than a dime because it was bigger. And I said, bro, you want to change this. This isn't good. You're going to lose a lot of money. I'll sacrifice. Here you go. You know, I did. I took advantage of someone that didn't know any better. You know what the world's trying to do with God's people? Same thing. But you ought to know better. Don't trade in what you have even if it seems small for that shiny new thing. We'll let Brother Joe finish that verse and we'll close in a word of prayer. Thank you for coming today. I hope you got something from the Word of God. Uh, we're going to have a word of prayer. We'll be dismissed. If you're visiting with us, thank you for coming our way. And I just want to explain, I get a little emotional. Um, because when I think about my life, I've, I've been blessed. I know it. And uh, everything that I have and everything that I am is because of Jesus. And I want that for people here, whether you're saved 
whether you're lost. If you're lost, we want you to get saved. If you're saved, we want you to walk with Jesus, serve him with your life. We'll be glad that you did when we get to the other side. I want to hear him say, well done. I don't know about you guys, and again, maybe it's my age. Uh, you know, I'm looking at me and Jason. Man, we had completely black hair back in the late 90s. That's right. Jason was a cool guy. He had the first, like, installed flippable TV screen in the truck I ever saw in my entire life. We were cool. I had a 1989 probe, hair slicked back. Man, it was cool. And now I'm older, right? We got adult kids. And you know what I, I realized the longer I live? The only thing that matters, the only thing that matters Man, careers change and positions go up and down. Do you think 30 years from now they're going to be talking at you about you at the office? They're going to forget you. There. No one's going to know you were there. You know what's going to matter? What you did for Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you to stay on that old path. Let's be dismissed in a word of prayer. Uh, and we hope to see all of you that can make it out at, at uh, uh, how, how was it, M- Mission Viejo? Is that right? Is that right? Mission Viejo, right, Brother Elvin? Did I get that right? Uh, so, yep, yep, yep. Uh, so we hope to see you out there, uh, here as soon as you can get out there, and we'll enjoy some good food and some good fellowship. And all the kids uh, that are at VBS, we're going to have some fun. Even if you didn't make it for VBS, we're still going to have a blast out there, uh, prize giveaway and all that. So look, to see, look forward to having everybody out there. I'll close with this thought. If you're here and you're not saved and you'd like to be, don't leave today without getting that settled. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. I'm uh, going to ask uh, our resident.